Hello, friends, and what is up? I am Daryl Smart, and welcome to Smart Sports Podcast. I hope you've all had a great week so far. I don't know about you, but I get pumped about this time of year. I had a tough time editing this podcast because it's the first night of NHL action. Even though my Sabres weren't playing, it really is cool to see the St. Louis Blues raise that Stanley Cup banner. But I digress. This week, we have Chris Longthorne on the podcast. Chris is the general manager of the Delhi Travelers. Chris, it's great to hear from you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast this week, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me, Daryl. And uh, like uh, we were doing the last couple of weeks, we're doing all the local junior teams and just catching up with them and how the off season went. And of course, you guys have had a, a bit of a slow start to the season. Um, but uh, how are things are looking? From your perspective, I know I know you've had a couple close games, a couple blowouts, but uh, things uh, seem to be looking up for you guys. Uh, yeah, it's definitely been a slow start. Um, I'd say kind of all the way through, like we didn't have a solid training camp. Uh, there was a lot of uncertainties, I think, over the summer of what was going to go on, and I didn't really a hundred percent sure. I had some stuff go on with myself that I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I was committed to maybe making the trip back to, you know, doing this again this year. And, yeah, I don't know. It was That was kind of a stumbling point, I think, mm-hmm. towards training camp. We just didn't have the numbers that we should have. And uh, when you don't, I don't know, when you don't really get the official word that things are going to go till late July, you know, start of August, it's yeah, it makes it a little bit tougher than uh, you know guys that have been working on it all summer. Like we did, we did skate. I just the kids didn't come out like they usually do. Yeah. What are some of the stumbling blocks for you guys? You think? And I know, uh, I know, I know the record over the the last five years or so hasn't been the greatest. But again, you guys are constantly building, so it almost seems like a pretty decent place to play just because you're going to get a shot to play I think the biggest thing with us is you know we lack uh, we're one of the lower funded teams in the league and I don't know that that definitely hurts you when you can't get some of the perks that uh, you know maybe some of the other centers do like I'm not going to say you know we do what we can with what we have and I think as a rule we try to treat people the right way within you know, within reason, the means that we have to give out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and and that's just a part of the recruiting process too, right? And and you guys kind of competing with uh, a whole whack of teams all in one area. It's always been kind of tough for you guys. Yeah, I think the recruiting process is tougher than ever. Like, um, you can't really sit back and wait for the kids to come to you. Like, I know there's still that philosophy around in some places, but they just don't come and it's harder to recruit because there's less minor hockey clubs around like if you really look at you know your major rep centers we've lost a fair few in norfolk and you know the juvenile programs a lot of the kids you know once they get set into that you know it's kind of a more relaxed schedule it's tough to convince them that they should commit mm-hmm. and and again that's that could be a whole different topic uh, just shortage of minor hockey teams and whatnot but uh how has that affected you guys over the last couple of years i know and and again i think delahide didn't have a midget team two years ago two three years ago i think it was so that's going to be tough because you don't have your homegrown players but have you been looking 
Also, have you been looking at the upcoming crop of kids? And I know in Bantam there's a ton of kids coming up, uh, so you have to be excited about that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, having a key relationship with your Meyer hockey program is uh, something that's definitely an asset going forward. Like, I'm going to be honest, we haven't uh, maybe reached out as much as we should. Like, you know, we've tried, but I don't know. Everybody thinks of going to a bigger center, you know, at a different town, you know, getting out of Delhi. It doesn't matter whether it's Junior C or uh, your midget program. Like, how many kids leave Delhi to go to Brantford? Like, that definitely hurts the talent pool in Delhi. Like, there's, we've had some decent kids come out of Delhi that, have uh, come out, skated with us, and, you know, found other opportunities in other spots. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, this is just like a job. If you find a better opportunity, you know, I don't I don't think you can really hold a grudge about it. Like, that's, that's the way it seems to go anymore. Well, and again, it kind of goes hand-in-hand in hand with uh, the, the zoning and the, or the territory or regions or whatever it's called. For each individual team, it's almost like the Wild West nowadays. Yeah, I agree, and I think the biggest thing that hurts you with minor hockey, and in a certain sense, if you don't, uh, is you can't get an AP list started, you know, and that's been that's been a tough thing. Like the the league's done what they can to give you that seventeen and two option, I believe it is. Where yeah, but on the average, if you're playing high school hockey, you can't. Uh, a lot of the kids won't commit to a junior C AP card because it opts you out or not playing that high school. So, you know, that would be a step in the door that you get the kid there, you treat him right, you know, he plays his 10 games, and, you know, you'll see him at training camp. But with that high school, and I can totally understand that commitment, you know, that takes a lot of kids right out of the equation right there. Yeah. So uh, you guys have played five games so far, your own five, unfortunately. But uh, what are some of the things that you've seen that you've liked out of your group? Uh, the goaltending has been good. Uh, I can never fault our guys for that. Like they, you know, over the time I've been there, the goaltending's usually yeah. you know, almost standalone. Like they, we've developed some decent kids. Um, guys that have moved on. There. Guys that have moved on as well, which is yeah, which got, is what what it's all about. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It should be like it doesn't matter what town it is. It should be about development. It shouldn't be. You know, what can I give you to keep you here for the, you know, your career at junior hockey? You want to see the kids move on and hopefully get to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think the team as a whole, like, the guys get along good. Uh, you know, honestly, we're short bodies. Like, I think that's that's a real stumbling block. Like, when you're out of the legs come the third period, like, things can go sideways in a hurry. Well, that's the one thing that I've noticed just about the scores. Uh, you guys have been in the games early in the game and at about halfway through almost the the floodgates kind of open up and and the other team just kind of takes advantage of that lack of depth yeah it's that that's been a huge problem like you know it that those lapses with good hockey clubs like that that buries you and how do you get wind back in sales there it doesn't really matter who's standing behind the bench in that you know in that state because you know you just can't bring it back like it's it's totally a deflate of the sale. Mm-hmm. And again, with uh, you guys had four wins last season. That's one of the, the better seasons that you had, and you, you did make the playoffs last year. So a little bit of you guys had a little bit of momentum heading into this season. 
Yeah, I don't know really where it lacked. Um, you know, I thought this year would maybe be a bit of an easier recruit than what it was. Like, there's, I don't know, it's it's a real stumbling block where I've sat around and been like, I don't know where we went wrong here or what went wrong. Like, obviously, a later start and the uncertainty of what was going to go on, I guess, was, was likely one thing that hurt. But I just think uh, with the fees going up like they did, it deterred, you know, some kids that we had play last year that didn't want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 500 bucks is a fair bit, uh, you know, kids that are going to school and, you know, you like to help everybody out as much as you can, but, um, it, yeah, sometimes it is impossible. Like if it becomes between paying the bills and making sure the kids registration gets paid, you got to draw the line somewhere. Well, exactly, and, and you were just talking about the registration. The registration fees did go up. They're they're at five hundred dollars now. The OHA fee. Yeah, it's five hundred eight fifty. And what was it before? Uh, it was in at three ninety five, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it, it's increased over the last few years since uh, since the fees have come up. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we shouldn't base things on is everybody, we go to meetings or whatever, and they say that, you know, they're paying this to play minor hockey. Well, at the end of the day, that's fine. And well, they're playing that, like paying that kind of money to play minor hockey. Most of the parents, you know, are paying at that level. You know, once they get to a certain age, eventually the kids are going to take the responsibility to pay those fees. And, you know, if they don't have it, they're obviously not going to be able to play. Well, and again, uh, back in the day, <laughs> the, I stopped playing minor hockey because I didn't want to pay myself. <laughs> to be honest, I, getting free sticks and and no registration that meant uh, that was a bonus for some of us. Yeah, that's it. Made it. I don't know. It's, it was a privilege, you know, to yeah. go there and not have to. And I don't know. I just, I guess, we could talk all day about ways we could do things different, but. I really think that's something we have to stumble upon at later date, you know, that, you know, the PGHL is doing good things for the league. I just, I think that's one of them we need to look at, or maybe the process that it's handed out. And even if you have to charge the same fee, you know, if you break it down, yeah. it's not quite as shocked to the system as it is all at once. Well, exactly. And with a, you were just talking about the PGHL and they, they, over the off season, they've, they've kind of structured themselves and there was always that, uh, battle with the Ontario Hockey Association and, and it's uh, leagues that they governed under, but now everything's structured completely different. And, and the PGHL, like you said, has done a really nice job of kind of creating its own entity. And uh, what have you seen? From uh, just from your point of view, and uh, from what they've done so far, to to kind of create more of a more of a solidarity between all of the leagues, because again, you guys are the largest junior hockey league in Ontario. I think they've done some really good things. Like they've got, uh, they did the process right, and they went through. And uh, for the majority, I think some really good people there with some hockey background that come from some different teams even if they aren't still currently enrolled which I'm pretty sure the stipulation is you can't be with the team um you know they they went small town hockey wise it's just I think the budget that they put forward you know it's going to be kind of feel it out this year and they told us it's you know it could go either way because you know how do you know until you run the business through the course of the year and see how things shake out like I'm sure if they could do it on 
you know, less funds they're going to. They're not going to worry about, you know, how many jackets they can accumulate in the closet because of what they're getting paid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what are some of the things that they've implemented this year? I think uh, just trying to make the whole league run as a whole rather than, you know, sometimes there was gray areas and, you know, rules that were never, it was never followed through correctly. You could get three different answers from three different people and, yeah. You know, now I just find the the clarification process, you know, it's done, it's over with, and that's the way it is. You know, like it, lump it, or the other. Yeah. You know, there, <clears throat> there's no gray area where, you know, somebody's going to get away with something, I don't think. Cripe, even in the respect of uh, the two-referee system <laughs> a couple of years ago, when it, it would be funny because I would go and cover a, a Bloomfield Division game and then go to a Doherty Division game, and you'd have one referee at one game and then two referees and two lines at another in the other division. So even the, uh, even the overtime, the shootout was different, right? Yeah. And I think that's something that's had to come uniform. Like, I don't know how you run it like that. Like <clears throat> there still is some different ideas between conferences, I believe, but yeah, for the most part, you know, we go over and uh, we did have a meeting with the other conference, like the Grimsby side of things for Dover and, you know, those guys are pretty well on the same page as we are, and I think there's teams in that league that have the same struggle as we do, that there's just, you know, teams 10 minutes down the road, and, you know, there isn't enough guys to go around. Well, and with that said, then, before we hit the record button and started doing this podcast, we were talking, and, you know, we've been talking about this pretty much ever since it happened, is when, uh, when Junior D was dissolved and all of the teams like you guys and like the Burfords and the Ayers and uh, dissolved from Junior D, everybody became Junior C. And a, a few years later now, uh, how have you seen that? Uh, have you seen a difference or have you do, you do you really notice it? I think the biggest thing the teams in, uh, that have, you know, the resources of the schools closer and in the larger areas you know they're prospering whether they were dc or you know i i think that worked in certain spots and other spots it didn't like obviously in our case it didn't um i'm not sure if you go across the league like and talk to the however many teams were incorporated into it yeah i'm freaking if you you know sent out forms and registered for junior d tomorrow and started up another league honestly think there's a calling for it because you really look around our local area how many juvenile clubs have you got you know what's the longevity of those clubs surviving like usually you see it you know the juvenile teams will have you know one or two good years and then it dissolves because the kids thin out like it's i think the biggest thing the widespread of it uh you could still make the junior d go and still have the kids you know sure it affect the juvenile because you know the the difference of uh, time. I think yeah. you know there's still kids that would play juvenile. It's just now we always say that we're working for the kids so they keep playing hockey. But I'm not sure whether we can really vouch that's the case because if we were working for the kids so they had a place to play hockey, like everybody'd have a juvenile center. So some exactly. of these kids didn't say, "Well, I have to drive an hour, so I'm not going to bother playing." And, that's a question I ask a lot of time. Like when we go to training camp or whatever, 
They say, you know, if we don't take you, what are you going to do? And a lot of the kids are like, well, we don't have a local juvenile. Like, I'd have to drive, you know, this far to go, so I'm likely not going to play at all. Well, crepe, there's kids from Waterford playing in Cayuga last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's, in my opinion, like, you take those kids out of the area, you know, the all the offshoots is what people don't realize. Like, that's, that's a kid that you're not going to see down, you know, at the local restaurant having a meal before the game or after. Yeah. You know, you, t- you take him right out of the community. Like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's as bad as closing a school, really. Once you take the kid out of the community and he finds friends in other spots, like, you know, that's, I don't know, it takes, it just takes the fun out of it, in my opinion. Like, if you can play for your hometown, why wouldn't you? Well, and, and again, that was kind of the whole purpose of junior hockey, especially junior C and junior D. Uh, junior D especially, and again, this was the this is the seventh season that uh, everybody has been full full on junior C, and uh, yeah, like that was kind of the big deal about junior D. Like it, it was all about having that hometown feel to the team. Yeah, I'm not. That's one thing I'm not a hundred percent sure of. If if we're going in the right direction with the PJHL, like we talk about maintaining like hometown hockey but i'm not sure whether whether that's actually what what the meaning of this is because you know if you're a smaller town let's be honest you're not going to have some of the perks that some of the bigger organizations do and you know you see that all the time like you know one thing that we stumble upon a lot is admission prices and you know there's a difference among the nine teams in our league of what you want to charge and because everybody's paying a different ice bill well you know, at the end of the day, like, that junior D, like, you can charge a few less bucks and go on with it. I just, I still think there's a huge need for it, because why are we turning kids away that could potentially play? Well, exactly. So do you see something happening down the road, or this is kind of setting the, you think the the path that the OHA has taken is a pretty set in stone? I think it'll be pretty set in stone. Like honestly, I can't. Uh, I can't see anybody moving forward with trying to get something back going just because it's been the length of time that it is. And yeah. I just. I think the teams will thin out if anything, and I don't. You know, for a certain aspect of things, like people, people don't care. Like there's there's a few teams that are just you know waiting for that to happen, and yeah. you know if you showed up there tomorrow, like. You know, they gladly tell you that, well, you know, it'd be nice if we get rid of some teams. But in the sad fact of it, there's some teams like, you know, Delhi that's been around for 50 years. I really don't want to be the, you know, the last guy that was here. Well, exactly. Or go down. Well, exactly. And that's a, that's a lot of the battle with it too, right? And and when this whole thing happened, when the, when teams were, the Junior D was dissolved into Junior C, that was kind of the prediction, like myself included. I I really thought that a good handful of teams would uh, fall by the wayside, but to be completely honest, I don't think there has been. Everybody's kind of everybody's kind of held on. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Everybody has held on, and I think you know that that's good in a way. Like you know, sure, yeah. it makes it harder to get players, but why should you know a decision by people that you know sit in an office? and think they know what's right for junior hockey, make that, you know, make that interpretation that, 
you know, this team should be viable and that team shouldn't. Like, at the end of the day, like, everybody, regardless whether you're winning or losing, puts a hell of a lot of time into these hockey clubs. And for anybody to dictate that from, you know, sitting in an office, no matter where it is, you know, that should that just isn't right, in my opinion. It shouldn't happen. But, you know, you can't take back what happened in the past. Like, hopefully going forward, you know, people realize that. It doesn't matter win or lose. And, like, you'll end up having teams that, you know, like the senior A league in the OHA, there's no teams left. Yeah, exactly. And that, and again, that's a topic for another day with the the Western Ontario Athletic Association kind of having and having a, their own league. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that league really it uh, it supports itself. You know, there's definitely a need for it, and you know, there's a lot of good hockey players playing there, and you know, it's it's doing its thing. Yeah. Like, without a whole bunch of drama, like, how much do you ever hear about it? Like, you know, they, they just keep doing their thing and you and never just play. hear any of the drama. Yeah, they just play. Like, I think, I think that's the key of it. Like, realistically, you should be able to just play and, you know, you're going to charge whatever you're going to charge. That's the way it is. Like, unfortunately, like, there's teams that can charge nothing and I'm sure, you know, it'd be nice to be one of those guys, but, you know, I think they could have had that with the senior A um, in the, within the OHA, but by the time they wanted to mend fences, it was already too late. Yeah, and again, now having to waive those fees for some of the players—that's a lot of fish at your fish fry. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Realistically, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. We had to pay for 23 cards right up front this year. That was standard right across the league by the yeah. time you said on the ice for um, your home opener and wherever you started, we started on the road. Like, it had to be paid right up front. So 23 wow. cards is all yours. Wow. Well, just kind of backtracking a little bit just now to your team. Uh, where where do you see you guys this year? And where do you look to improve on? Well, I have to roster a full team to start with, I guess. <laughs> that's, it's, it's, that's a, a... it's a real stumbling block. Like, you know, I don't know. I I really been pulling my hair out on this one, um, thinking about different ways to approach this. But you know, honestly, I'm sure there's lots of lots of bad news around the countryside about it. I just yeah, I don't know where to get the kids anymore. You know, you contact other teams, and I did contact a fair few in the larger areas, and if they can't roster a full team, like you can't begin to get rid of guys if you haven't got guys to replace them. So I just Right now, we're just kind of, I guess, treading lightly. Hopefully, uh, you know, something turns up here in the next couple of weeks and we can get things back going because it's just, it's been a struggle. And the guys in the room have been really good. You know, I can't take nothing away from the kids that give me what they, all that they can with the state that we're in. And, you know, I kind of feel bad that I haven't done more for them. But problem is, you know, with, Five hundred eight fifty. Like, sure, you've already paid it all, but you still have to make wise decisions. Like, if you're going to pull a kid that could potentially just sitting around could play minor hockey, like that's that's darn near a thousand dollar decision by the time you pay the minor hockey fee. Yeah. No. So I think for us, we just you know kind of I hate to say it, wait it out a little bit, and hopefully something comes along, and we just keep beating the bushes because. Yeah, that's that's gonna pay dividends to hold off rather than you know you sign those twenty three cards away and 
you know, nobody's going to be happy regardless. Oh, exactly. And with this, with that said, how do you build a program when when you get and again, like a like you said, you guys uh, in the Burfords of the world, some teams that have been struggling for a while. How do you build a program and, and kind of maintain it? You know, that is a really good question, and I don't know. I would say, you know, I put a lot of thought into this, and I think the biggest thing is going to be fundraising is how you would start to build a program. Like, yeah. But I think one of the downfalls we've got is, you know, things aren't as good in the local area where we are, and, you know, if the businesses aren't pulling in the money like they used to, you know, it's everybody's hitting you. It's tough to give the money away if you haven't got it coming in, and, you know, we try tried to come up with some different ideas of fundraising, but then you come back to the same stumbling block of location. Yeah. Like, where do you go to do, you know, some other places got, you know, they've got their township or county behind them. And, you know, it's, I think it's kind of a, it works together a little better. And I can honestly say with Norfolk, I think things have got a lot better in the last year where, they've kind of heard we have a voice rather than, you know, it's a negative kind of thing after, you know, uh, mm-hmm. some years of, you know, junior hockey hasn't been prospering in Norfolk. Like, obviously, Dover's had some success, but it's just been struggling, and it's yeah. it's tough to... Uh, and they've had a tough there. start, too. Jeez. Yeah, that's... I, I just... That's where things, I think, if you're going to build a successful hockey club, you got to have a lot of funds in the bank anymore. And I think that's something that's changed over the years, like yeah. where you could skimp away. Like you just can't anymore. Like it, it costs physically a lot of money to run these teams. What's the budget generally? Well, if, generally you mind, our, if you mind saying that. If, if our budget, you know, we're on the lower end, we'd be under 50,000. Like it's, It'd be scary under fifty thousand to be honest. By the time we get all set and done, and that's uh, you know that's a lot of funds coming out of uh, yeah somebody local's pocket, and you yeah. know it's you know sponsors. You know I my hats off to everybody that looks after us that way and sponsors year in year out because definitely the tough run we've had. You know it's tough to see any light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Do you see that light? I really hope I do. Like, I, you know, I look back to it, and I'm not from Delhi. Yeah. But I always, you know, refer to people. Like, this is something that's been around for 50-plus years, and I I won't see it go down. Like, I just won't. You yeah. know, I have I have too much pride towards it in the short amount of time or the heartache or whatever it is. Yeah. I just, I can't let it happen. So I, I really do hope that things do turn around, like, you know, if there was a light switch you could flip, like we would have done it long ago. It just yeah. it seems the you know, you're you're so far out and kids don't drive like they used to. Like, oh I had some some huge, you know, success in junior hockey. They just you know, kids gas used to be eighty cents and kids used to drive from, you know, the middle of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think we all know just physically to survive in life anymore it costs a lot of money just to get yourself to and from like yeah. rather than you know busing fees and stuff and i will say in delhi we we don't bus and maybe that's that's a tough thing with the area we're in but if you really look at it a lot of the kids have to drive to delhi before they head out to their center 
Yeah, like that's it's tougher to get the local kids, and you know if you've got three kids riding the bus at seven or eight hundred bucks a trip, you know it's tough tough to justify doing. And I don't know whether that's kind of what's hampered us because kids, you know, you have to drive to the away games too. But in a lot of cases, our kids' furthest trip is to Delhi. Oh wow! Well, thanks a lot for joining me. That uh, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And uh, good luck with things. And again, like like I told Mike Tobin, we'll be keeping tabs on you. And on the Facebook page, we're doing weekly updates on how you guys are doing and whatnot. And and if you guys do have some news, make sure you let us know about it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you covering junior hockey in the local area. It's uh, definitely something that's been been lacking for the last couple of years and uh yeah it's definitely nice to have you back around well thanks a lot man and thanks chris and take care okay thanks a lot daryl shout outs a big shout out goes out to my friends ty Bacchus, paul michael john and Emily chandra who helped raise three thousand four hundred and forty six dollars during their paddle for pedals fundraiser they along with other participants paddled from turkey point to port dover on paddle boards This event was a fundraising adventure to help people with disabilities in Norfolk County maintain, repair, and purchase bicycles. It's a great cause and a great job, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for joining us and listening. It really is appreciated. Make sure you go over to Smart Sports Podcast Facebook page for more local sports news. With the winter schedules in full swing, we have lots on there. If you have scores or news to share, remember to send it our way so we can post it. And also remember to like and share Smart Sports Podcast so we can grow this thing. I am Daryl Smart. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you later.